there's a great fitting story to this club. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the slider. Let's dive into the fitting aspects of this club. This is Tinkering 201. You heard it here first. Some golfers aren't going to be sure which driver head they should go to. Let's start talking about that. I like him straight. I like him long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, AJ, enough chit-chat. This is the Fitting Room Podcast with your hosts, Nate Adelman and AJ Volpel. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is the 50th episode of the Fitting Room Podcast. I am your host, Adrian Vopel, alongside Nate Adelman. Nate, number 50, which is kind of crazy because it feels like we've done way more episodes than 50. Well, 50 episodes over 18 months, and I just checked the uh, Callaway Golf Annals of History <laughs> yeah. and the Almanac, yeah. and we're actually now the longest-running podcast in Callaway Golf history. The Fitting Podcast or just the overall podcast? The Fitting Room Podcast is the longest tenured <laughs> Boom, podcast Boom, baby. Uh, other podcasts have, have, have more episodes, but we've l- gone uh, regularly scheduled episodes for the longest period of time now. Um, Harry, ra- raise, raise yeah. it, uh, do, please. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. It, it really makes me happy that this type of content, when we started, we didn't know right. if it, how it would be received. It's very technical. It's very, you know, like... For the geekiest golfers like myself, mm-hmm. I am fully admit I'm in that bucket. Right. This people. was very self-serving for you. Very. You pretty much wanted to do this just for yourself. Very much so. <laughs> I do it anyway, but right. at least now other people can learn too. But right. no, it makes me, it, it, it puts a smile on my face to know that there are other people out there that have similar interests and that this is like real, uh, I think, information that's helping golfers. It's not trying to be too commercial or anything. Right. And um, it it's refreshing to know that other other people are enjoy that content as well. Yeah, I love that uh, golfers out there are telling us to make more episodes and not telling us to make less episodes. Yes. So that's always positive yes. feedback is very always good. is yes. always pretty nice. So, um, and you know, right? And it's it's not very it's not very easy to find unique topics that cover fitting. And I think we've done that for every episode. This episode is. Um, obviously no you know no exception yeah we have a really cool episode today i think uh we're we're going to talk with the head coach of stanford university's golf team and the and this is unique for a couple reasons number one when we think golf we always think individual sport and every golfer has their own strategy and their own approach to the game their Mm -hmm. own bag makeups but in college it's a team sport that there's a lot of coaching a lot of team strategy and that can that can trickle down to the equipment so we, I think the 50th episode got us some credibility. We went straight mm-hmm. to the top in terms of golf programs and Stanford University, top-notch university, top-notch facilities, top-notch golf team. Top-notch top, coach. Top-notch coach, yeah. Yeah, Coach Conrad Ray is going to join us. He's in his 12th season over there. Uh, he's actually alumni from Stanford. He played with Tiger, um, Noda, all those guys his freshman year. Um, I mean, he's had, I don't even know how many All-Americans he's produced over there. Uh, they're constantly ranked in the top 10. Um, I know they have the number one ranked amateur right now in Maverick McNeely. Uh, so he's going to be an amazing source of information as it comes to kind of uh, what it takes to kind of lead his team in terms of fitting, instruction, and all that. So it's going to be great to pick his brain, uh, Nate. But before we get to Coach Ray, I have to tell everybody about something super excited something that we're super excited about on the Callaway community I gotta hand you credit on this because this was all your idea so I'm gonna give you credit I'm gonna give you credit for it listen please tell everyone tell everyone not just my idea it's uh so we're gonna do in in honor of Odyssey month which is throughout the month of May where we honor Odyssey in all aspects we are gonna hold a limited edition Odyssey swag draft that is right it is a swag draft where we're gonna put 40 
very limited pieces of Odyssey swag, like head covers from majors, things that you literally cannot get anywhere. Um, we have we have some ball markers, uh, some limited edition major medallions that we're going to be giving away. Uh, so we have 40 pieces, and they are going to be reserved for the top 35 members of the Calvert community, plus five additional uh, new members that we're going to have sign up uh, to be part of this draft as well. So it's going to be hosted on the Calway community. So you could find all the information, calwaygolf.com slash community. If you're not a member of the community, you can sign up and try to earn one of those five uh, just, I mean, these and spots, you could probably sell these bro, spots for money. Bribes <laughs> will not be accepted from us. No. Uh, for the new members, as well as our loyal members, we're basing it off data in the system yes. for uh, the top active users. Right, so the top 35 active users will get the top 35 spots, and then we're going to hold uh, five additional spots for new members, and they're going to get to pick... Uh, whatever they want. So if they got the top pick, you're the most active, then you know what? You deserve to get rewarded. You know I what agree. I mean, Nate? Couldn't so, agree more. Yeah, so CallawayGolf.com slash community. It has all the rules and regulations, photos of every uh, piece of swag that we're giving away. Uh, so check that out. And without further ado, let's get to Coach Ray. Hey, everyone. This is Nate from The Fitting Room. I wanted to let you guys know that I was able to trick our e-commerce team into creating a promo code for The Fitting Room Podcast. If you use promo code FITTINGROOM on CallawayGolf.com, you'll get free shipping on your entire order and 20% off anything in the Team Callaway collection. So head over to CallawayGolf.com and use promo code FITTINGROOM. All right, I told you we're going to be back with a super special guest, episode 50, Nate, of the Fitting Room Podcast. Really um, excited to have uh, Coach Conrad Ray from Stanford University joining us. Uh, Coach, Thanks so much for the time. Um, we know you're busy gearing up for uh, late season heroics, so uh, we appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. This is really cool. Uh, neat to be with you. Talk a little uh, technical uh, golf club setup uh, stuff and, and uh, see if we can break it down a little bit. Awesome. And uh, just before we kind of dive in, what is, what's on the Stanford agenda right now? What's, what's the latest? Yeah, no, we're, we're – uh, we're busy, busily preparing for uh, the NC2A Regional. We're fortunate to be able to play at home this year. We're hosting first round of the NC2A uh, Championship, and uh, we're wait, awaiting our uh, field assignment. On Thursday, they announced the field that will be coming here. Um, we're currently sitting, I think, fourth in the national ranking, mm. and have just spun off of the Pac-12 Championship where we gave the Oregon Ducks a, a close call and, and some some heat on their on their tail a little bit um but they ended up winning and we were finished we finished second uh, up at boulder country club last weekend where we battled some snow showers and, and rain and sleet but uh got 54 holes in so well co- coach we're root, root, we are rooting for you here and fun fact aj i learned how to play golf at the stanford driving range did you really i did yeah nice. oh wow yeah i grew up about Five minutes from there. Oh no way! Yeah. So what, ha- you know, what, what happened? Coach didn't recruit you. <laughs> There's like a special. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised I didn't get that file. I, I was going to say one of the uh, one of the one of the crazy stories, or one another fun fact to add is that uh, the hardest class at this stage of the game to get into at Stanford is uh, introductory golf. Believe it or not. Wow. So, um, I do yeah, believe that. So we're all golf fans up here on the farm. That's, that's wonderful. That's really funny. I think it's because the golf course is so damn good. Yeah. <laughs> we're lucky yeah an old george thomas design and uh yep. it's a it's a great place for people really that come here and you know will go on to all parts of 
uh, life and, and parts of the world, uh, a great introductory to the game of golf, which is fun here at Stanford. That's awesome. That's awesome, Coach. Um, so let's kind of dive in. And the first question I think on my mind is that, you know, so many, especially recruits and, and junior players kind of coming up now, like you said, they kind of have like teams with them, either whether it's uh, uh, coaches already that look at their swing, um, you know, maybe a set of fitters or fitter that they go to every time for their clubs. Um, are you noticing a trend of the players getting a little more technical with their swings and with their swing stats than they would have, say, you know, when you first started your tenure? Yeah, most definitely. I think um, I think nowadays it's not uncommon to have a junior golfer come in and have already been exposed to TrackMan or the Sam Putt Lab um, or even some, some 3D modeling, depending on who they're taking lessons from. Um, I think the, the secret or the art in all of that, though, for both the junior golfer and then once they matriculate to college is just really piecing through a lot of that technical stuff and figuring out what uh, data parameters um, have the most impact on performance. And I think that's where the, the, you know, as coaches, I think in college, we try and bridge that gap oftentimes is taking, taking kind of the information they're getting from home or a swing instructor or the technical pieces and then using that to say, okay, how do we, how do we actually get the ball in the hole faster with all of that? And, uh, and so that's it's something, though, that you, we've definitely seen an increase of over time over the last stretch as, as technology has permeated the game at a greater level. So you had mentioned the performance itself and trying to get the ball in the hole faster, but is uh, it, with college golf being a team sport versus when we think of golf typically being an individual sport, is getting the ball in the hole equal across all players, or do you have a certain strategy that you want to have is for the team that then goes and affects the way that they have equipment setups or do you trust whatever yeah. is good for one guy that then he could do it however he wants well i i think in in oftentimes it gets characterized in my opinion it gets characterized in two different categories i know people you know want to some coaches will say hey it is a team sport some coaches will say it's an individual sport to me at the end of the day it's about uh five guys trying to shoot the lowest score that they can and how do you do that um, I, I, I actually don't think that playing for yourself or trying to shoot a low score is any different than the way you should play or could play to shoot that same low score playing for the team, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a strategy-related topic or a club setup or something like that. Um, I, I really firmly believe, you know, often we've, we've dealt, we're, we're working with, for example, um, Scott Fawcett right now with Decade Golf, and one of the things he talks about that's fascinating for him is he looks at all the PGA Tour shot link data. You'll often hear guys on tour or even guys in college say, oh, I'm hitting it really well. I need to be more aggressive. And in, in his estimation, that's a misnomer. Uh, you actually, if you're hitting it really well and have high level of ball control, you should you should either continue on a sound strategy and be more direct with your targets um, or be less aggressive trying to give yourself more opportunities at making putts. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the guy that has the most looks at birdie um, is going is probably uh, going, going to be the winner at the end of the day. So it's, um, I, I think it's, it is interesting, too, to think about, you know, across the board how you manage a team and, and what that means in terms of picking, picking good clubs, setting up their clubs. Uh, maybe it's uh, being conservative in terms of 
am I fitting a kid into a driver that's the real bomber, the least spinning driver, but at the end of the day they get on the course and if it goes a little awry, their misses and their dispersion is greater. Um, there, there are some interesting thoughts to consider there in terms of club setup, but uh, you know, I think at the end of the day they're all intertwined and um, if you're trying to shoot the best score you can, I don't think there's a, a difference between playing for yourself or playing for your team. Yeah, and it's and coach, I uh, I used to cover um, back in uh, my New York days. I used to cover Cameron Wilson for the Metropolitan Golf Association. I know that he was a standout at Stanford and won the NCAA uh, individual title. And he was a player who would kind of I remember with his driver he always liked to keep it low I mean he had these like bullet runners um like and he was like a big uh stats person and like um you know would look at like a lot of numbers very technical person is that kind of do you find that uh to be the trend with amongst a lot of your players like very kind of um I don't want to say stat dependent but uh a lot of their uh, equipment decisions are based off those numbers or certain numbers yeah I think yeah, I think it's kind of hat in hand with shot selection, right? To me, uh, you know, that shot that you're describing, for example, that Cameron uses and still employs quite a bit out mm-hmm. on the web and hopefully on the tour someday, is, is he calls it kind of the seed ball, which is a yeah. low uh, a low shot that he knows that, you know, it's kind of a safety shot. It would be kind of like a second serve, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's, you know, that's a, that's a specialty shot, just like uh, Phil Mickelson's monster flop is mm-hmm. as well, you know, and uh, – um, or the, you know, the low draw into the wind or different things. And, and, and really, that's what we focus a lot of our attention on mm. with the team, and, and that is just trying to give guys more tools in their toolbox to cope with situations that they're going to face in extreme conditions. And it's, it's tough sometimes because when you're preparing and practicing, you might not be able to recreate those conditions or find those conditions that you're going to have at an NCAA championship when the greens are you know, running 12 or 14 and they're playing like tabletops and the breeze is blowing and the fairways are tight. So that's, to me, also a a way for our guys to focus on, okay, what's it going to take for me to get to the next level? Um, I was just having, just ironically, having a a chat with uh, Tim Clark, who's a former president cupper, and, you know, he's out on a medical right now with a bad back, but we we were catching up a bit and we were chatting about some of the younger players on tour, and he said the one thing that, he sees it's taking guys, young guys, a lot of time is just kind of the in-between, the soft stuff. It's not about the 180 ball speed or the bomb driver. It's like the 135-yard 7-iron, yeah. you know, into a breeze with a lake in front of them, you mm. know, that type of thing. So I thought that was really interesting. But, yeah, I think I think it's all about having shots in your, you know, arsenal, you know, shots in your arsenal, tools in your toolbox, whatever, which way you want to characterize it. So, Coach, how often uh, or how much input do you have into what clubs a player puts in his bag? And how often or do you ever intervene with a player if you think that the driver's not right or the wedges are, are not right or, or even the model of iron is, is not appropriate for their game? Well, that, that's a great question. I think one, that's, a, that's another reason why some of the technology has really helped us as coaches for the ones that dig into it. There's a lot of coaches that don't even touch this, but for me, I, I like this stuff and you know, if I see a guy have a, you know, a session on the, you know, and I'm looking at the trackman numbers and they're presenting what should be certain shots that should fly straight or do something in terms of their pattern and they're not, then, you know, it's easy to kind of ask questions uh, about their setup and about, I'd say one of the, the worst things that, that I, at the college level, at least, that kids don't check is their 
is their lie angles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that becomes really apparent um, when you get it right, how much uh, ben- how beneficial that is for a kid or a player at this level. Um, the other part of that is, and it's not, nothing against all my good buddies that are driving the tour trailers or in the custom club shops around the country and different uh, manufacturers, but there is oftentimes a discrepancy, even even that brand new set out of the box, which you assume is perfectly set up or the line angles are correct. There's oftentimes one or two irons within that shipment that needs some adjustment, you know, or there's a little bit of a tweak that needs to go on. Um, so we, we kind of have a standing rule with our program that you have to, you have to play, uh, uh, you know, practice and then qualify before you're putting a club in play, um, you know, as a team kind of general rule. So uh, just to be able to get that testing in. Um, but I think it, it's pretty easy, going back to your question, to see patterns and to see when lie angles are off if you're watching closely enough. And uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's really just, amazing you know it's an amazing surprise for these kids who are swinging a certain way and all of a sudden you you tweak a lie angle two or three degrees one way and they're the swing that they're really fighting turns into the swing that they want because the ball's staying online do you guys have a, a club builder on the team or someone who who would know how to make those adjustments whether it's uh with with woods or bending lie angles or putter loft or any of that stuff or or do the guys kind of know know how to do that they're on their own we, tr- we try and teach them some. Uh, we have a setup here at our place where we have full club repair capacity. So we have, uh, you know, lie loft machines and put- same for putting lie loft, uh, kind of, you know, all the way up through being able to change a shaft or uh, trim a shaft or regrip. Um, we try and teach the kids how to regrip their own clubs. I think that's something that if they want to play at the next level is, is good to know. And I think it's, you know, as you, you know, as you go, I've been using the carpenter analogy, but, you know, I don't know any good carpenter that doesn't, hmm. isn't proud of his tools, right? So, right. Um, you know, that's something that uh, that we try and instill in our players, and I think a lot of good programs do that or think about it. If they don't, they have someone in their local town that, that keeps track of that or someone that the coach can trust to send their players to. But, again, I, I think it's um, – that's the one downside, I would say, if there is any at all, about how readily available equipment is for especially the D1 golfer yeah. uh, nowadays. Um, it's really easy to get your hands on a on a quality driver and a bunch of different shaft options and stuff like that. But sometimes in that exercise, you don't really take the time to hone in on the one that really works and then getting that specifically right. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, it is something that we definitely pay attention to and I think it's important. Yeah, so uh, Coach, you know, Nate is one of – um, I would say Callaway's biggest tinkerers with his stuff. I mean, his. I mean, he could go out and shoot a great score nice. one day, but you know, it's still not enough. He still gotta uh, trim his putter no. or add some add some no. weights to it or do something to his driver. <laughs> whatever it is, do you have me a, too? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, do you do you you or any um, members of the team? Um, are you guys like big tinkerers? Do you have any big tinkerers on the team? Yeah, I think it's uh, you know the tinkerers to me are the guys that are just you know, most into the craft. I hate to say that. There's, I don't know. I, I guess there's a lot. I have had players that have no idea what's in their bag and still <laughs> play great too. But I, it seems to me, uh, at least at our place, we're oftentimes recruiting the kid that's pretty, uh, pretty, a pretty deep thinker, pretty intellectual. And uh, oftentimes that leads to um, making sure that what they have going is exactly what feels right to them. Uh, I know our guy, Maverick McNeely, uh, mm-hmm. who's, you know, one of the top players in college, He's number one in the wagger now. He, it's amazing how 
deft his touch has gotten over time just in his testing and he's you know you hear I used to hear stories about Tiger testing stuff and he you know uh, there's a there's a famous story about him testing balls with Rock Ishii and uh and you know hearing that audio not quite be right it was like the the click was a little too high pitch or something like that and Rock was like there's no there's no no way you know and then they went back and tested it and sure enough the oh the resin batch was a little off or something but I think <laughs> That's uh, insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Maverick, as an example, has gotten to a point where he really knows when it feels right, and he's good at, at um, communicating that. And so it gets to be a little burdensome or tiring, I guess, sometimes for a guy trying to fit him into something. But, you know, it's a credit to Maverick and his touch. So, And, Coach, are you guys you, – you, one of the first things you actually mentioned uh, was TrackMan, uh, but – when we talk, when Nate and I talk with uh, golfers, whether it's a professional or um, you know a competitive amateur, it really differs a lot on you know whether they're using TrackMan or whether they're kind of more field based. Um, is is do you preach one or the other, or do you uh, do you kind of leave that up to the player whether you know they should be kind of testing on a more field based level or with actual uh, data to back it up? Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's another good question. I mean, to me, I think you can be both. Actually, I think the TrackMan, in my mind, is just a measuring tool. Like, I don't think, I don't think if you know what the physics of ball flight are doing or what impact conditions are presented on a certain shot, I don't think knowing that then turns you into a technical non-field-based player. Um, to me, I think that, that actually the powerful thing about understanding the TrackMan numbers and using that as a tool. I actually use the machine a lot less because I think it's helped me understand the physics of ball flight much better. And so when I'm watching a kid hit balls, um, you know, to me, I can, you know, a couple quick swings on the track man will uh, confirm, hey, maybe his attack angle is too steep, which in turn is creating a path that's too far to the right for a right-handed player. Um, different things like that, those cause and effects relationships, I think, then become you know, if you know what's going on, then in terms of getting to where you want to be, can either be a technical, hey, let's look at the numbers on every swing for that technical kid, or it can be a feel-based thing like, hey, just don't swing as far to the right, you yeah. know, or something like that. So I wouldn't, you know, oftentimes I think there's a misnomer there uh, from a lot of players that if I'm looking at TrackMan data, that must mean I'm a technical player. And I don't think that's really the case in my opinion. I think it's more about understanding the physics of what's going on at impact and uh, and taking it from there. So, um, but I, I do think what we try and teach our guys is just the general understanding of some of those ball flight parameter laws and what's going on. And you know, at the end of the day, I, I like you know most people are trying to hit a ball as straight as they can possibly hit it, but the the, the fact really remains and has, you know, been proven that the hardest shot in golf to hit is a straight shot, right? Mm. So, yeah, so how do you, um, so, so what does that really mean, right? So yep. are we trying to create a consistent path number, a consistent face number? And, and we can look at the data and support it, but we don't necessarily have to do that just being technical. We can do it by fields and by setup and parameters and things that you that are more in your control. I, I um, imagine that people that, might think. I right. imagine that the guys that get into Stanford can handle that level of analysis and <laughs> right. the level of looking at data and a little bit of physics and and uh, wind properties yeah. and aerodynamics and all that. Um, we've talked a lot about yeah, we've talked a lot about the clubs themselves, but I, I want to ask you quickly about the golf ball. 
Um, the golf balls yeah. we've talked about on this show is is extremely important uh, in terms of making sure you're getting the right ball with the right spin for the shots that you like to hit. Um, is right. there anything in terms of guiding your players and uh, with the golf ball in particular, where maybe as a team, you know, you you mentioned looking at the data, you know, maybe the high percentage fill flop shot uh, is great one one out of every five times, but you'd rather them hit it low or something, and so the a different golf ball is more appropriate. Is there anything that goes on along along those lines in terms in of se- selecting the the right ball? Yeah, you know, I think um, yeah, I, I, to me. The golf ball uh, is one of those kind of. I, I think a lot of to, honestly, I think a lot of the golf ball uh, choice selection stuff that goes on uh, with our team and across the college game is kind of what a kid has been playing the, the longest. It actually that for whatever reason that's one of the hardest things for I think or uh, one of the hardest things for our players to digest the idea of playing a different golf ball than they're normally used to. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, to me. Personally, if, if, if I'm quick to put a new driver in, um, I, I'm going to see, to me, that's a more impactful move than putting a new golf ball in, because, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, the, so I think a lot of kind of what I'm used to type of stuff goes on in, in ball testing. Um, I, I do think, too, I think that the golf ball becomes a, a more important choice the higher speed that you hit it, too. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we have a a pretty diverse range, all good players, but, um, you know, I've got players that, you know, can almost get to 180 ball speed. Um, and you know, I've got guys that are, are 20, 30 miles less than that. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a big range of speed and, um, launch characteristics. And so I think there's a golf ball that probably matches up with either of those guys. And, and so that's where digging into it and understanding what really, uh, is going to work. I think, the other part of that is that um, you have to be careful because sometimes, you know, like in NorCal, for example, we're playing in pretty soft winter conditions. You know, the Stanford golf course really doesn't firm up until about now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, and, and so spin is something you can get away with playing a firmer golf ball, but then all of a sudden we go off to NC2As and the greens are, or in the summertime when they're playing summer amateur golf and the greens are firm and fast and there's a 10 or 15 foot skip, you know, into every green and rag. And that might change the ball ball characteristics of the preference, you know. So, um, you know, I think changing conditions also can impact that too. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, yeah, it's funny It's funny that you kind of say that, Coach, because obviously we're, you know, the golf balls that we sell. And hearing even, even non-competitor, non-competitive amateurs are they, – they still have this premonition or this notion that – it's tough for them to change golf balls. Even, you know, whether it could be a 20 hand, 15 handicapper who plays every weekend or a 20 handicapper, they like, even it's, it's like tough for them. I think it's almost like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a notion that yeah. uh, golfers like kind of can't get out of their head or, or like, are they taught this at like an early age that they right. have to play one ball or like, yeah. it's really weird that, that it's tough for not only competitive amateurs, but just like amateurs in general, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that to me, when we've done ball testing with our guys, whatever the brand, uh, the, the differences in the the, brand, the brands that they're testing is very small compared to. Um, so, in other words, you know, changing shouldn't be that hard to do, right? In my opinion, uh, uh, you know, that we don't see the we 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 definitely see bigger dispersion in characteristics or performance when we change clubs, whether it's wedges or drivers or irons. Um, 
and different characteristics as such. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know. You know, it's kind of a brand brand related thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I, I do um, appreciate that. You know, I love I love the player. To me, that's you know the amateur golfer out there that's willing to try some stuff and just to give it a try. To me, that's something that you should do if there's something newer and potentially better out there. Um, I guess at the end of the day, uh, you know, it is it is sometimes tough. I, I get frustrated sometimes with our team when they're so locked and loaded on a certain brand or a certain type just yeah. because that's what they've done for a long time. Right. All right, Nate, you have a project. Your uh, psychology, some analysis on why uh, people are reluctant to change golf ball brands. I was going to say that, AJ. <laughs> That's you, your research project. What right? I was going to say is you, you should be doing your job better if it's a brand thing. I, right. So, you're right. I know. So, I should be marketing better. Um, but you're, you're uh, right. Marketing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Damn it. <laughs> Coach, are you ready to play a little fact or fiction? Sure, you bet. Throw okay. it at me. I'm ready. So to we're going to read right, a, cool. a few statements to you uh, that are relevant to the team game and the college game, and you'll tell us uh, from where you're sitting whether you believe those are fact or fiction. Pretty straightforward. AJ, kick it off. All right, here we go, Coach. Fact fiction number one. You require your players to use a particular brand or club or have a specific set makeup. Uh, that's fiction. That's fiction all the way. But uh, we do have some partners like Callaway Golf that we appreciate, and we know that the choices are – uh, are high in terms of options and 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 different uh, setups and that type of thing, and uh, a lot of times at our level it boils down to support in terms of uh, you know the people that you're dealing with and and uh, the the folks that are they're there uh, supporting you. But it is it is fiction though. I think we we kind of mandate or allow and mandate's not the right word, but we allow our players to pick any ball and club that they that they want and that performs the best. Because at the end of the day, we're all being measured by how low the scores are. Right. Nice. And we got to give a you know, quick shout out to our man, uh, Steve Mata, our, our college rep and uh, the wonderful job that he does with, with all the schools. You know, Mata's Mata's the best. So got to give a got to give a quick shout yeah. out. We did have a couple <laughs> guys. otherwise known affectionately as the Yoda of college. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, yeah. I've, heard, I've yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we actually he, he whispers in your ear and anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. He did bring by a few of your players a few months back oh, yeah, and they right. were all Really good dudes and yep. really uh, interested in learning and seeing yep. how we do what we do and why we do it. So um, uh, you're, uh, yep. you're coaching some good young men over there. Um, all well, right. thank you. Next, yeah, it's great. Next question here. Uh, the equipment requirements for team golf are different than if each player was only playing for themselves. Uh, that's, that's fiction, too, kind of based on what we were talking about earlier. I think at the end of the day, you just want to optimize every club in your bag, including um, maybe the 15th object, and that's the ball. And, uh, you know, I think just finding what fits the player specifically the best is also what fits team golf the best because, you know, you're adding up the, the four lowest scores out of five every day. So um, I think that would be fiction. All right. I like this last one, uh, number three, Coach. This is a good question. I'm, I'm very curious to hear your answer. Uh, you prefer a few extra yards of distance over a few yards tighter dispersion for your players. <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, um, uh, I think if, if it's just a few extra yards, I prefer smaller dispersion. Uh, so um, I don't know if that's a fact or fiction reply, but uh, um, I think that at the end of the day, the team that plays out of the fairway the most uh, most of the time is going to win the golf tournament because I think 
what you also have to understand is that a few more yards also brings, you know, much greater dispersion oftentimes. So, um, you know, there is a sweet spot there somewhere. And nowadays, uh, the college guys are probably hitting it longer on average than the tour guys. And so, uh, you know, uh, closer to the hole usually wins. Um, but, but out of the fairway is a preference for sure. I have I have one more question related Ooh, to bonus, that. Bonus yeah, question. This is a bonus, just bonus related round. just related to that is uh, the USGA every couple years will have some new equipment uh, rule change whether it's grooves or whether it's COR limits or whatever it is. Do you think that those equipment changes affect uh, are, are college players closer to it being the way they would affect a tour player or where the way it would affect an amateur in terms of like having to change their game or change their equipment based on the groove rule change for example. Yeah, I, I think a little bit. That's a kind of a multi-part answer in my mind. I think that yeah. at the college game, I would argue that that, uh, and and it's not to say that it's better, but I do think that on average, uh, club head speeds and ball speeds are higher um, across the board, just because that window of kind of eighteen to twenty-two when you're swinging really hard at it and don't know any better uh, is at the highest peak. Um, I think any sort of technology change or constraint is going to impact the college game maybe more in that regard. Um, but I also do think that the college course setups are not as tough generally as you're going to find on tour. So, uh, you know, you could, you know, with a specific thought to the groove rule, um, I think you're going to see the groove rule, for example, impact a, a tour player more than you probably would a college player. Mm, good. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, coach, listen. We'll um, we know you're uh, you're prepping over there for the NCAA's and everything, but um, we wanted to. We know that you're doing uh, a radio show on SiriusXM PJ Tour Radio. Uh, why don't you quick yeah. uh, tell everybody about that? Yeah, we're excited. It's uh, we're we're about 18 months in, and it's called Golf U. We talk all things college golf. Uh, I'm the co-host along with Kyle Gentry, one of our former players here at Stanford, an avid amateur player. Uh, but it's a fun show. We get to highlight great college golf. Uh, uh, player and coaches uh, stories from around the country uh, latest and greatest topics um, really anything under the sun if it relates to college golf and it airs uh, live on the Sirius XM PGA Tour Network on Monday evenings from 9 to 10 Eastern Standard Time so uh, hopefully some folks can tune in and, and get their fix on college golf every week that's pretty prime time time slot you got there you guys must be doing something good <laughs> well, I, I think they, yeah, this is just that one out, and then they then they play it for the crickets, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> on two or, two or three in the morning on Tuesday and Thursday. But uh, no, it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's it's. I think we're the only college golf uh, radio show on the network, and uh, well, that, that's that's uh, not totally true. They've expanded the last within the last few months, but I think they're finding, especially with the growth of the college game on the Golf Channel and some of the coverage, and especially. With some of these young guys coming out of the college ranks and really making their mark on the PGA Tour in quick fashion, but the college game is is maybe we need we need some good marketing guys. So uh, where do I find those? I you know, know that's yeah. So, Co- Coach, hey, I know a guy. Yeah. I know a guy who can help you out. You know a guy? Yeah. <laughs> but we might put you to work if you're not careful. It's uh, not him, clearly. <laughs> at the end of the day, we need uh, the college game is alive and well, but it's a great product that needs to get out there in front of more people and. And uh, it's really exciting, and, and you get to represent your institution and, and see some really high-level quality golf when it comes to the, you know, the top D1 levels. So exciting stuff, and, and uh, that, that our radio show has been fun to highlight some of that. That's awesome. Um, wait, uh, Coach, one, one more quick question because it just came to me, and I, I've been meaning to ask you this. 
Um, you know, now that college golf is it's on the Golf Channel, um, the NCAA's. Do your players talk about it a lot? And is it like does it provide more of a drive for them uh, to you know to play as best they could so they could be on TV? Is that something you guys talk about? Well, I think it definitely adds excitement. Um, you know, I think that that's at the end of the day that's why a lot of our guys uh, play, and that's just to see how good they can get. And and uh, there is there is a side of all of this golf stuff. Uh, that has some showmanship factored in, right? And oh, so yeah. the bigger the gallery, the more fun it is oftentimes. And, the more um, people call in they... rules violations on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got to be careful, you know. Uh, uh, you think the pros don't know the rules. Wait till you get to the college. Right. Right. So, um, That's but, funny, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it, it, adds to the, it just adds to it, and um, it, it grows the game, and, and uh, you know, it just shows you that there's a lot of great golf going on you know, and, and exciting stories and a bunch of guys playing for something bigger than just themselves, playing for their schools uh, when you watch that college uh, that college golf on TV, the NC2A specifically. So kudos to the Golf Channel and, and everyone covering it and all, you know, Callaway and all the manufacturers supporting college golf like they do because it's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Well, that's awesome. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation, Coach. Uh, really appreciate the time again, and good luck with the rest of the season. We'll be, uh, we'll definitely be watching. Uh, but let us know uh, how else we can help you guys out. But um, good luck with everything, and hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Well, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. We hope to do it again sometime. Yep. All right. Great. Thanks a lot, Coach.